HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by EscapeMaker.com. Visit a farm. Escape through the net. Visit EscapeMaker.com for more. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Well, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. I'm your host of Tech Bytes, which is the weekly Monday afternoon program where we talk about the intersection of technology and food. Less Fran Adria and immersion circulators, more social media, the internet, and apps. Before we get started, I always like to introduce everyone in the studio so you can match the names to the voices. The most important people here are the gentlemen in the booth who turn my shipping container conversations into worldwide webcast radio. Jack Inslee, the station's executive producer and our engineer, also host of Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30, which is a really good time. Jack? Hey there. How you doing? Great. Feeling good. We also have back there Declan, who is our radio intern this semester. Good afternoon. Hello. And in studio today, munching on some pizzas from Roberta's, which is always one of the bonuses of coming on Tech Bites. we have David Gruber, who's Digital Media and Communications with Mario Batali. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming. And we have also Pam Louie, Communications, also with Mario Batali. Hi, Jennifer. I know you came for the pizza. <laughs> Maybe. Just a bit. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> So the first thing we do on Tech Bites is we start every episode like a good meal with an appetizer. And we go around the studio and everyone calls out their favorite app, something they've just discovered, something they love, an old standby. And today, I think, because we missed him last week, we'll start off with Declan. I have a, I have a good one this week. So um, this came to my attention through Facebook and the app is called mobile justice um it's essentially just a video recorder but um it has the ability to immediately send videos that you record to your local aclu to report on 
violence, uh, police brutality, things like this. It also has an option that you can turn on called Witness, which broadcasts your location so people can uh, find you if something is happening. And uh, you can also just report on things that are happening through text and send them to your local ACLU. So it's really, really cool. And uh, yeah. Kind of a timely app also. And I think one of the more serious apps that we've talked about on the show. Yeah. What's the name of that app again? Uh, It's called Mobile Justice. Mobile Justice. Wow. Does it also allow you to connect with any other people or law enforcement or your own personal kind of... 911 list in case the event is happening closer to you personally? Mm, I don't not necessarily. It, it it's more it's it's more just of like it's I think it's more to report on crimes that you witness uh rather than crimes that are happening to you. So like when people are protesting and people are getting arrested, I think it's for that and and you know a lot of police officers will try to take away uh, cameras, cell phones, stuff like that. So I think it's more for like an instant uh, sending to you know somebody like that that could use it, like the ACLU. It also has a list of all your rights in uh, just um, wow. in the app. So yeah, that's really interesting and potentially helpful and and a good tool. But it almost makes me sad that we have it. Yeah, I have <laughs> a good friend who works for a company called Public Stuff that provides app technology to local governments. So sort of like 311, but in an app um, and lots of like smaller second tier cities um, use their technology to allow constituents to report on, you know, anything from noise complaints to, you know, violent crime that they see happening in the streets. It's amazing what technology does. It does a lot of serious things. Also, here we tend to talk about the things that are fun and kind of luxuries and and very much, you know, first world champagne problems like help me get a reservation to Babo. But <laughs> you forget sometimes that there's a lot of really impactful uses for technology also. Um, Jack, I'm rather somber, but do you have something? Well, I'll change the pace here. My app is Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know anything about Snapchat, really, and I always thought it was for kids. I mean, the one person that communicates with me on Snapchat is my girlfriend's younger sister, and she just sends a stream of selfies. <laughs> I never thought it was a very serious app until recently. We just started a new show uh, with the ladies from Of A Kind, this design magazine, and uh, they had this really like world-class photographer on and she was talking about snapchat being this new frontier in social media and she's obsessed with it and they've got this new function called stories where you can kind of all snapchat about the same thing so this is less of an app i'm using and more of something that i'm trying to figure out uh she said it took her a month to figure this app out the professional photographer yeah (laughs) so uh we'll see but i'm gonna give it a try here and see what the fuss is all about but apparently uh you know all these media outlets have their channels now like cnn and vice so there's a lot of momentum here and i'm trying to figure it all out how old is your girlfriend's sister (laughs) she's uh just turned 21 just turned 21. I wonder how long it took her to figure out. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's been on it for you know, months. It's funny. I call it the Camellia app. I just get constant. <laughs> that's all I've used it for. So anyway, um, maybe I'll have more to report soon. You're not the first person to mention Snapchat. It also recently came up because of the stories feature in a, another conversation that I had had. So maybe Snapchat is trending. Yeah, we'll see. Give it a try. David, do you have a favorite app? Um, I'm loving the Street Easy app these days. 
Streetezy is the that like apartment search engine, um, which has been popular for a long time in its desktop version. Um, and I don't know if the app is new, but I'm using it because I'm looking for a new apartment and I'm loving it. Can you spell that for us? S T R E E T E A S Y. Street Easy. One word. One word. Was it a free app? It's a free app. Interesting. Okay. I've, they also launched a big subway campaign. They did. Yeah, they're with all advertising. Over the place is that days. how you discovered them? Uh, no, I've been using it for a long time, uh, and just found the app in the app store, and I am very much enjoying it. New Yorkers love real estate, so there's probably a, a very just window shopping apartment porn. That's right, and I just to happen to be actively looking that. for a new apartment too. So it's it's even more useful these That's days. That's David's favorite pastime. He's not saying that, but whenever he gets a chance, he looks on uh, what is it? What's Curb, the, uh, Street Curb. Easy. Yeah, I'm all over. <laughs> do you have a favorite app, Pam? I do. Um, I've been enjoying. So we use Emma email marketing for uh, for the restaurants and for Mario. And they came out. I don't think this is that new, but they came out with a um, a metric app. So every time you send an email, you can basically see how many people are viewing it and what's increased, or you know, sort how it's trending. And it's uh, it's exciting because every time I send out. An email I get obsessive. I have to recheck it and check it and check it. And see so. how popular you are and how <laughs> good your job is going. Exactly. Exactly. Social media is very addictive in that sense. Yes. Everybody wants to know how many likes they got and how many thumbs up and hearts and stars and yeah. comments and everything. You get competitive. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, my app this week is called Trello, and it is a free app, and it is basically for people to work together in groups. And you sign up, you create a group, you everybody sees the same dashboard, and you can create tasks. And basically, you create a card, which is a task, and you can add details and photos and lists of things to do and check boxes, and then you can see everyone's tasks lined up in one place. And as you complete them, you can check them, move them, pass them around. And it's a very easy way for a lot of people to both collaborate on one project, but also see all the different collaborative departments or sections or pieces. It's pretty interesting. I haven't quite figured it all out yet. Although my favorite part is that the automated service email that you get from Trello is called Taco. (laughs) It's the customer service handle, I guess. So I get these emails now, Taco from Trello, (laughs) which makes me happy. Yeah, exactly. I kind of giggle every time I get an email from Taco from Trello. So that goes along with the, uh, the Slack app that I called out yesterday, all the new efficiency group work apps. So David and Pam are here because of Mario Batali has might be a guy people may have heard of. He's a chef here in New York City. He has a lot of restaurants, a lot of really great, amazing, popular, hard to get into restaurants. And when I was thinking about topics for Tech Bites and people I'd like to have on the show, I reached out to Pam and sent her a screenshot of the Babo Twitter feed. Babo Restaurant uses Twitter quite regularly to broadcast available tables in real time. And that, to me, was very compelling for a bunch of reasons. Babo's been open since 1998. They have lots and lots of stars and lots of great reviews. 
Since they opened in 1998, it has been and remains to this day one of the most difficult reservations to get. The restaurant's not that big. The food's great. Mario only gets pop more and more popular as time goes by, and you could argue that it's gotten more, more difficult to get a reservation there. So Twitter is free. Anyone can use it. It's free for the restaurants. The information is free for the public. And there are very few restaurants that are consistently using Twitter to fill empty seats. So I was curious why that was and how that started, because in 1998, when the restaurant opened, Twitter didn't exist. So at some point, if there were empty tables in real time, I'm assuming there was a slightly different game plan. Maybe you telephoned a waiting list. Maybe you phoned hotel concierges or did that or open type up of tables thing? on open table open table open pre, table did what about exist pre-open table though pre-open table i can't speak to but <laughs> <laughs> i don't think there was that much of a problem ever filling the seats so i mean not to sound no, bragging of but. course <laughs> so people would just walk in and fill those i think seats, it was i think or... it was walk-ins i think it was uh yeah because there was always a line of walk-ins in the front of the in the front area how many seats are there in the 30 or so. Yeah. So um, so people really want to be in the dining room, though, I think, a lot of times. So I think it's about um, just moving people that were waiting over there into the restaurant, the main dining room. But that said, cancellations and no-shows are a huge issue for restaurants these days, even for restaurants like Babo that are especially sought after. Um, I was saying earlier that um, people do li- literally line up outside of the restaurant to make a reservation a month out. Um, the lines every single day of the week are busy at 10 a.m. when the reservation lines open. So you still get phone calls from people making reservations and actual people physically going to the restaurant to make a reservation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you January know- 14th is a busy day at Babo. That would be 30 days prior to February 14th, one of the biggest restaurant days of the year. Yeah. Um, but I was saying earlier that Babo is sort of uniquely suited to tweet open availability um, because the reservations are so sought after, but also because it's an approachable restaurant in that it's not as expensive as, say, a per se. Um, Del and also, Posto. Or Del Posto, exactly. Um, and people do and can walk in and have a pasta at the bar or even a couple of pastas at a table in the main dining room. So when you see that a, a table at, say, 815 is opened up, a four-top at 815, on a Wednesday afternoon, you might text your friends and say, you know, there's an open table of Babo. How could we not do this? And it works. Babo has been on Twitter since 2009, which is pretty good and early. Yep. I'm really surprised that other restaurants don't really follow suit. You know, I, I, sur- I tried to survey the, you know, restaurant and food landscape and all the social media. And to me, it seems so simple. Twitter's free People get it for free. It works in real time. Do, do, do you recall how the decision was made to start utilizing it? So I'd say that about two years ago, we decided, Mario decided, to catalog all of the digital media resources that were available to all of the restaurants. So all of the restaurants already had Twitter handles and Facebook pages and, you know, what have you, all of the above, whatever was, you know, existing then, um, just to make sure that we were ubiquitous on all the platforms. And that we um, own the name. And then we, we own the own name. handle. Exactly. Um, did you own th- all of them and have all of them? I think did we you, did. I think we, we beat them have, out. You didn't have to go after but I know that's a But I know that's a problem. Some people, um, celebrities, uh, and, you know, um, they 
they can't get a hand they can't get control of their own handle because someone's claimed it and it's become becomes a problem yeah we've had to wrestle for them a couple times but we we now own all of them yeah um but about two years ago mario wanted to sort of hone the restaurant's social presences and i was tasked with working with the restaurant management teams to make sure that they were using all of the platforms actively. And I would say that two years ago, a lot of the people in the restaurants, a lot of the restaurant management teams were sort of apprehensive, didn't appreciate the value um, that, say, Twitter could provide. What Um, was the primary apprehension? Were they similar across the board? It takes a lot of time. And they're, in many cases, not, you know, they, first of all, they don't have very much time in the restaurants. And then it felt like there weren't people in the restaurant who worked in the restaurant already who were going to do a really good job at this. Um, and the general managers, say, had a hard time rationalizing taking a server, say, off the floor and have them focus on social media for a couple of minutes. Um, but that's entirely changed. Now all of the restaurants appreciate that this is, you know, we're sort of we're building a brand but also building a community around the restaurants so that when we want to promote something like open availability or a ticketed event... Um, we have this free venue or, you know, outlet in which to contact people who are interested in the things that the restaurant's doing. So part of the apprehension was fulfilling a job that previously didn't exist. So you exactly. didn't have staff on hand for the job because you weren't really staffing for the job because dealing with the restaurant social media was never something that existed before. So uh, across the board, is there... Do you generally hire new people or hire people specifically to do social media? Is it a hybrid position between an assistant and social media or, you know? Yeah, it's usually a hybrid position. Um, We don't hire dedicated social media people in each of the restaurants, but there is someone in each restaurant who is responsible for maintaining that restaurant's presence. And I sort of, with Pam, oversee all of that and make sure that we're on message and on brand. So in the arsenal of social media platforms, what are the, what's on the list as being important? So we ask that the restaurants post on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook daily, um, which means Twitter and Instagram because we've linked our Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, and, you know, that's, that was a benchmark that we came up with two years ago. Um, and a lot of the restaurants are posting more frequently now, and I think that it's a good thing. Has there been any amazing success stories of a landslide of following or feedback over the past few years? Anything in particular? Something that broke the internet, maybe? Nothing that quite broke the internet. (laughs) Del Posto is an account to watch these days. Um, They sort of have the capacity in the staff and all of the crazy things that they're doing in the kitchen to create lots of content, and they're putting it all out there in a really beautiful way. Um, They also created a Tumblr page, which is worth checking out. What are the Del Posto handles? They're all at Del Posto. D-E-L-P-O-S-T-O. Exactly. All capital, all one word. All one word. Amazing. Right now, though, we're going to find out who our amazing sponsors are and listen to some new music from Jack. Escape. Escapemaker.com, a guide to local getaways, is offering a two-night farm escape that includes lodging, a visit to an apiary, wine tasting at a vineyard, and a special tour of Boba Link Dairy and Bakehouse in Milford, New Jersey. Transportation is included. For details, visit escapemaker.com or come by the Boba Link Dairy stand at the new open-air Fulton Stall Market on Front Street in the South Street Seaport District. 
Located where New York City's public food markets began in the 1800s, Fulton Stall Market is open weekends 10 to 5 and is the first farmer's market in the city to offer ready-to-eat foods made by the farmers who produce them, along with a radio station, live music, and cooking workshops for families. Now offering spring flowers and plants, organic vegetables, pizza made in a wood-burning oven using farm ingredients, local fruit preserves, yogurts and ice cream, and Bubblelink Dairy's famous artisanal cheese and breads. The market is a great reason to rediscover the authentic seaport. For more information, visit FultonStallMarket.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network, coming to you live from two shipping containers in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And it's worth noting that we are eating the famous Roberta's Pizza. And uh, if you hear occasional little munchy, mm, yummy sounds, that's the reason why. Today on Tech Bytes, we are talking with David Gruber and Pam Louie, both in the communications department for Mario Batali. Mario Batali is a chef. You might have heard of him. Um, we're talking about the social media presence for his restaurants. And I think it's worth noting that Mario has a very strong social media game. I've been following him on Twitter for a long time, and he posts frequently, robustly. There was recently a post of um, him having what looked like you know, pizza night at his place with Bono. Is that right? Bono. Bono. Right. Bono. Excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Does that mean he's not going to come on the show? <laughs> and I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many people, famous people, well-known people have Twitter feeds. And you, I, I think you can tell when it's the actual person who's doing the tweeting and the talking and when it's an assistant or it's preloaded tweets or you know, a whole game plan where they're laid out. And Mario's tweets have always been, to me, extremely authentic. You can hear him talking through his tweets. He responds to people in real time. And he's on Twitter so much that I I almost wonder how he does it. Um, There are other chefs where I watch their Twitter feed, and, you know, definitively, it's not them. It's somebody else. It's maybe even pre-programmed and, and being pushed out by, you know, a social media bot like Hootsuite or something like that. So that said, it doesn't surprise me that Mario wanted to unite the forces of social media for all his restaurants. Does he um, have tips or suggestions or a way he wants the social media to sound from each restaurant? So each restaurant is its own distinct brand. We sort of have a loose set of guidelines for each of the restaurants, but it's can you not share a them mandate. with us? Uh, you know, loose guidelines. Loose guidelines. If fast I, and loose guidelines, we'll post them online. After. <laughs> Easy. Um, tweet them out now. Yeah, exactly. Use good judgment. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Yeah. Post nice um, pictures. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we can attest that it is it is actually Mario tweeting all the time. Oh yeah, and. Twitter as a medium uh, works so well for Mario because he is always moving and always doing a million things. But he can sit down with Twitter for, you know, the five minutes when he's in his dressing room and respond to 20 tweets. And, you know, he makes people happy for the most part. Exactly. <laughs> for the it's most like part. It's like it was made for him, really. That's how he works. That's how he operates. Just quick bits here and there. So 
I asked earlier if there was a, a landslide moment of amazing response, you know, that might have broken the internet. Do you have a story of something that went horribly wrong that was a great learning lesson for the group on social media? Pictures are often a little bit tough. It's hard to teach um, our social media managers how to take a beautiful picture. It's sort of more intuitive, I've noticed. You sort of have to find the right person to be taking photos for social media. Um, Terry Lodge, one of our restaurants in, uh, I think it was the Westport location, posted a photo of a dessert, which was not very appealing. Um, And it elicited some response on social media. Mario was tagged in uh, those responses and then acknowledged, uh, like, sort of how bad it looked uh, and took it back to the shed, the, the kitchen team at the restaurant, and made sure that, you know, that, that it was rectified quickly. So I guess that goes to show that Mario's listening, we're listening, all of the things that are tweeted at us we're actually paying attention to and sometimes change uh, the way the restaurant's operating. Um, and we have to pay attention to the photos we're posting. So does Martha Stewart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody has to pay attention to the photos that they're posting and the things that they're saying. So given that Mario and the restaurants are so prolific, he himself, just in terms of media, the restaurants, his social media presence, online, on TV, ebook, he can definitely start a trend or move the needle, I think, you know, all on his own, given that he has such a strong presence in all these channels. So I would be curious to know what you are most interested in for the future, what you think is coming, what new things you see on the horizon, because that might be a good indicator for the rest of us as to which direction things are going to go. Well, I would say that Mario is moving toward Instagram these days. If we're if we're on a on a spectrum of Twitter to Instagram, he is definitely leaning Instagram. Um, I think in the in the case of the restaurants, we're feeling the impact of Instagram posts more so than Twitter posts these days, anyway. So, um, what does that mean? We're feeling the impact. So, it's obviously or it is hard for us to track conversions from what we post on social media and what actually happens in the restaurant. So, if we post that there are openings at Babo. Um, it's hard to track where the person who calls in and makes the reservation for that night actually heard about the reservation. Maybe they're just calling on a whim. Maybe they called because they saw it posted on Twitter. It's sort of hard for us to know. Um, but at our smaller restaurants, say Casamono, which is a 35C restaurant, if they post, um, say, a photo of a special on Instagram, they will often notice people come in and order and that special. And the orders. Right. It's much easier for us to tell at a small restaurant like Casamono whose, you know, 5,000 followers are likely Greenwich Village natives rather than Babos, who could be anywhere in the world because Babo is Babo. Very famous worldwide. Have you ever considered doing things on the Twitter feed with the reservation saying and, you know, hashtag or when you call in, say you saw the reservation on Twitter and we'll give you like a gelato at the end of the night or that's in advertising and in marketing in the traditional sense. That's often a way that you track something by using, you know, the promo code on yeah, TV. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. You know, where you say, hey, when you call in to get your 10% off, promo code, tech bites. Yeah. And then that way you can track which channel worked or which tweet it was or, or something like that. We do it every once in a while on a one-off basis. Um, and that does, you know, help us give, it 
gives a better indication. Uh, we also started using a platform called Privy, P-R-I-V-Y, um, which is an offer engine. Um, we can create a unique URL that, you know, if someone, say, gives, fills in their email address, it pushes a unique offer code to that person. Um, and that makes it easier, easier for us to track redemptions. That's interesting. Privy. Yeah. Privy.com? Privy.com. Is it a paid service or a free service? or? It's depending on the size of the promotion. Um, it is either paid or free. And what about the impact on restaurants from customers and users on Instagram or Twitter? There, We had a show earlier in the season called The Instagram Effect with uh, Kate Crater from Food & Wine Magazine and Stephen Hall from Hall Company PR talking about the effect of Instagram on the restaurant industry. And they made some very interesting points about when people Instagram specific dishes from a restaurant, that sort of drives a, a groundswell of requests. If you can't get it anymore, that creates a problem for the kitchen. Yep. If it was a one-time only or a specialty thing. They also raised the point, which was interesting, of an international nature in that oftentimes people in the industry, chefs, other cooks, think that by looking at a dish, they can recreate the dish. And that Instagram has also spawned a lot of inspiration and copying from one point of view. So I would be curious to know what impact you see on the restaurants coming from the consumer side. It's definitely something we're talking about, especially as we open new restaurants. Um, traditional PR, as in finding media placements in, you know, we just opened in Boston. So in the Boston Globe, in Boston Magazine, in, in proper Bostonian. Um, we sort of wanted to couple all of that traditional PR with reaching out to local Instagram influencers. Um, there are a few chefs in Boston who have, you know, 30 to 50,000 followers. And it's pretty clear that they move the needle. Um, if they're posting from... Baba Pizzeria in Boston, um, their followers will likely come and request the pie that they ordered. Um, so it's definitely something we're thinking about in terms of strategy when we open new properties. When you open new properties, do you also, when you're in the press or friends and family preview, do you try and institute social media bans? No Instagramming at the preview, no tweeting at the preview? By the time we get to the preview, we usually want people to talk about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, <enough. laughs> we have done our best to institute social media bans for staff people um, before the restaurant gets to the point of the preview. Does that always work? Not always. Not always. What happens when it doesn't? It, nothing horribly wrong. <laughs> um, nothing goes horribly wrong, but, you know. We don't want people to get too excited before there's any product for someone to come in and purchase. So, And how do you think that's impacted the restaurant review scenario? Social media, Instagram, Twitter, all these things. Restaurant, traditional restaurant reviews or mm -hmm. say Yelp reviews? No, traditional restaurant reviews from a publication. A New York Times, Eater, Michelin, yeah. newspaper, magazine. How have they been impacted by, say, the social media space? Yes. Um... From the restaurant's point of view. Sure. Um, it's interesting because most of our restaurants have been open for a decade. So we're not talking about, you know, reviews. But you just or, opened Boston Pizzeria. We did just Bobo, open Bobo, Bobo, Bobo Pizzeria, Pizzeria in Boston. In Boston. Um, I don't know how that's been, how, say, the traditional reviews have been influenced by social media. Um, none of the um, big Boston area reviewers have reviewed our restaurant yet. So I guess it remains to be seen. 
Well, you may have to come back and tell us how that went. Maybe you can plant a few Easter eggs or fulfillment codes in your social media and test it out and, and see how it works. Happy to. Do something systematic and then come back and report in. Absolutely. Because we love data. <laughs> we love data and clicks and likes and see how that goes. We're with you. The other thing that we love is giving our listeners a little piece of advice. And at the end of each show, I ask all my guests for a piece of advice for listeners at home. So to you, David, because you're masterminding the whole digital media strategy for the restaurants, what would you say from a business point of view, food, non-food or otherwise, right now in real time, what's the most important social media channel and then what's your best piece of advice for being successful in it i think it's instagram um and i would say that what we've learned from working with the restaurants um is that frequency of posts is directly tied to the amount of engagement that you receive so uh being active on those channels on instagram and on other channels is very important okay Good to know. And Pam, same question to you. What do you think the most important media channel is right now? And what's your best piece of advice for being successful in it? I, I agree with David. I think Instagram as well. But I also think Facebook. Um, I think also Google+. Plus. We actually have a huge following for Mario on Google+. Plus, and it's really interesting to see that growth. Um, and it shot up very quickly. Um, so um, I think that's something to watch, too. Um, You're the first person to say Google Plus on this show. Well, it's ever, true. It's, which is Mario's amazing. almost at like 375,000 wow. followers. I know. Wow. Who knew? Wow. <laughs> yeah. The restaurants are struggling in that space. Uh, but it's actually very interesting because we are constantly like uh, figuring out how to maximize all of our Google business pages. Um, Google sort of pivots the business versus plus profiles and if they're going to combine them or if they're going to be distinct things every couple of months. So it's hard to know where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but it's definitely, you know, so many eyeballs. Uh, whenever we change anything meaningful in the restaurants, we have to make sure that all of that is updated on Google immediately. Hmm. Google plus. Maybe Mario First can time help mention. you with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he can help me with that to get Mario to start tweeting some on tech bites and boost my listener profile. I want to thank my guests, David Gruber and Pam Louie from Mario Batali for coming to Bushwick, eating some pizza and talking about social media. I want to thank Jack and Declan in the booth for making it all happen. And all you Heritage Radio Network listeners, if you like the show, come back and see us again next week. Tech Bites, Monday at 1 p.m. Thanks, Jennifer. to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.